I'm always reminded how much talent exists in this church. Are you reminded of that today? I love it when we come together. Is it okay if we pray to begin? God, we ask that today we would hear your voice. God, for the next few minutes, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, and all of God's people said, Now, I'm told that graduation addresses must begin with some kind of cliched quote from a quasi-famous individual, so I'm choosing to invoke Yogi Berra today. (laughs) He is purported to have said, the future ain't what it used to be. (laughs) This is certainly the case for you today, graduates. As you're moving from a place of having to go to school to getting to go to school, all the parents said, amen. Whereas some of your concerns in the past were related to some more day-to-day kinds of problems. I have to turn in this piece of math homework, and now the questions become, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? So feel free to be ferociously oppressed by that thought. The future ain't what it used to be indeed. Further, old Yogi, he's misattributed as saying, when you get to a fork in the road, take it. I say that he's misattributed because this quote first appeared in a newspaper in 1913, which is a full 12 years before Yogi was born. But the fact that you're at a fork in the road is no less palpable, no matter what actually, who actually says to take the fork in the road. Or maybe you might prefer the one quote today that is definitely, reliably, originally from the man. You can observe a lot by watching. You can observe a lot by watching. Now, as you go to school, wherever you go, and as you move through this world, you'll have the opportunity to see things. Or maybe you'll choose not to see them. As we consider these yogiisms and their effect on your grand future, no matter how cliche that might sound, and we've all heard graduation addresses in the last couple of days that all said basically the same thing, huh? We also stumble onto the path of Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37 It's commonly known as the parable of the Good Samaritan. However, in 1946, November, three Bedouin shepherds discovered a series of texts in a previously undiscovered cave. These scrolls, later called the Dead Sea Scrolls, passed through a series of hands as as years of search and biblical archaeology helped scholars to find cave after cave after cave after cave, after cave of the Kerbet Qumran community. You can see one of these caves right here in this picture. It's easy to understand why they went undiscovered for so long. I'm not sure about you, but I'm a little afraid of heights, especially trying to rappel down to that cave in the center of the picture. Can you imagine? Well, it just so happens that I took a weekend trip to the Middle East last week, and I also made a major discovery. 
So this time it was at the Red Sea. So I present to you from the Red Sea Scrolls, which are totally real and in no way fake, the Gospel of Thaddeus. The Gospel of Thaddeus, as an aside, this story of mine is slightly more compelling, maybe more believable, because some of you are wondering if Thaddeus was real. Well, Matthew 10 and Mark 3 tell us that Thaddeus was one of the 12, and he's only mentioned in those two times, so clearly he's important. Poor Thaddeus. Look at how sad he is. Maybe you'll find a close parallel in Luke 10, 25 through 37 from the Gospel of Thaddeus story that we're reading today. Now, after Jesus had sent out some disciples, beginning to give them a taste of what they would be called to, he was approached by an expert of the law, which some of Thaddeus' disciple friends also called a scribe, now, Jesus had some run-ins with these kinds of folks. Maybe run-ins is putting it a little bit politely, but this one, maybe he seemed a little bit more genuine in his questioning. So the expert stood up, looking snazzy in his fancy tunic, and wearing a brand new belt from the nicest, newest belt maker in town. And he asked Jesus a question that attempted to show everyone how smart he was while at the same time containing a, more than just a kernel of truth. Teacher, rabbi, teacher, you keep talking about this kingdom of God thing. You say it's at hand in much the same way that I wanted a fancy belt and so I went out and bought it. I want this eternal life thing that you've been talking around for the last few chapters. Well, seeing as how the Bible hadn't yet been divided into chapters, the crowd was very confused, but Jesus knew what he was talking about anyways. So Jesus loved him, and he cocked his head to the side and kind of looked at him. Well, what do you figure? You're, you're the expert. Tell me, how do you read it? The disciples, Thaddeus included, they, they breathed a, con, a collective sigh of relief. <sighs> this Jesus fellow never seemed to give the easy answer, did he? There were so many people around, so they were, they were worried that they wouldn't be able just to sneak out of the crowd as they had barely but successfully done. The scribe slash lawyer knew that the answer to this question and he wanted the crowd to know that he knew the answer to this question. So he read what would eventually become a part of the Old Testament. He said, <clears throat> he straightened his bedazzled belt. Jesus had asked him a question. He must provide an answer. With a slightly false sense of confidence, he says, it says to love God. The Lord with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. And you should probably remember to love your neighbor as yourself. And he sat down very happy with his answer. Once again, he pretended that his belt needed to be fluffed up in some way. Some of you are wondering how a belt might be fluffed up. I, I'm also wondering that as well, but the Gospel of Thaddeus, who are we to argue, Right? Jesus, at the same time, proud of the man and also recognizing that he too had been made in the image of God. 
In spite of maybe a small but normal amount of face-saving self-aggrandizement, he smiled at him, which seemed to briefly throw him off guard. Have you ever looked at someone and just smiled at him, caught him off guard? Yes, you're right. You've answered the question correctly. You know how to get this eternal life that you seek, Jesus said. The disciples looked at each other. Frankly, they weren't too happy with this answer. The man was miffed. It's almost as if Jesus hadn't even heard his question. He had been so infuriatingly unclear. Thaddeus and the other disciple named James, we only know him as son of Alphaeus. We don't hear enough about this man. But they looked at each other knowingly. Jesus had seemed to make a habit of being satisfied with his answers to people's questions while they thought something was lacking. But, 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 but who is that? Who is my neighbor? The man eventually stuttered out. Glancing around the crowd, he realized that he shouldn't have stuttered. Maybe a little bit more confidence was due. But Jesus just smiled at him again. He had this whole being charitable to people thing down. See, this man, he was a work in progress, so this was a very appropriate place for him to be on his faith journey. Taking a moment to pause so that he could think before he spoke, maybe something that all of us here today could put into practice. Jesus formulated a story to make a point. Yeah, there was this guy. Uh, this guy, he was, uh, he was on this uh, country, uh, we'll call it mountainous road. Why not, right? Country, mountainous road? Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah, I'm getting two nods. So that, that means, yeah, yeah, country, mountainous road. And he got mugged by some ne'er-do-wells. But not only did they beat him up, but they, they also took his wallet. They, they took his sack lunch. I mean, come on. Has anybody ever been beaten up? Somebody stole your lunch? I'm the only one. Okay, that's good. Um, Yeah. They took his new shoes. They even took his fancy belt. Jesus looked and winked at the lawyer guy. And then they just left him there. Quite honestly, they were worried that maybe someone would somehow trace this act of violence to him, so they didn't really want to, like, bring him along. Or, you know, they just, they left him there. This man, he was on death's door. This was a a road that might not see someone who could help him for a very long period of time. He was in no condition to move as every breath was strained. And even when he got somewhere, he had no way to pay for the care that he was inevitably going to need. Luckily for that man, Someone from a local church, a church that happened to do its best to teach people to love, people to teach the word, and to live the journey. Does that sound familiar? He passed by. How great! Problem solved. We are, we are saved, right? He saw the man, but then he got to worrying. What if this man was just playing, you know, dead, and maybe his, his buddies, they were just around the next corner, they were going to jump him. Or, you know, they didn't really understand germs at the time. But, I mean, what if he got too close to him and, and he, he, he got his germs on him and he somehow got sick? I mean, we've seen how germs can make an entire population of people sick, right? Or, 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 or what if um, he had to take so long to commit to taking care of him that he, he just, he'd run out of things to do and this would just take an inordinately long period of time? 
thinking that it wasn't quite worth the potential trouble, he, he acted like he hadn't seen the man. He just, he, he, you know, he was kind of like, well, what, what, what could I really be expected to do? This man, he knew that the future ain't what it used to be. Life had changed so much since he was young, in spite of the fact that that was only a decade ago. And quite honestly, he was worried that he had to get to his grandmother's house and cell phones hadn't yet been invented. This was a curious thought for him to have because nobody knew what cell phones were, much less regular phones, but he continued on his way. Then another man came along. Oh, good. This man, not only was he a normal man, but he was also a deacon. He was in the, a deacon in the same church that taught people to love people, to teach the word, and to live the journey. He had just gotten to a fork in the road. He took it, and there he was, and this is what he came upon? No thank you. He veered to the other side of the road, calculating how much time he would lose by, if he maybe tried to go back to the fork and take the other fork, having forgotten that the word deacon means one who serves, the deacon hurried along his way. He too had some concerns for personal safety, but more than that, he was, he was just tired. He'd already done his nice, good deed for the day. I mean, so, come on, sometimes you just get tired of being good, of doing good things. Surely God doesn't always expect our best, right? God, God gives us days off, right? Then another man came along. Jesus paused for a quick drink of water while he scanned the crowd. Syrian refugee? No. ISIS rebel? No. Resident alien? No. Wall Street executive? Walking right in the middle of Occupy Wall Street. Y'all remember that a couple years ago? No. Who was the best representative of the other that the crowd of the day would hate. Who would future crowds hate? Not sure which would be the most offensive to that crowd. He, he picked something that would lose obvious offense as it was retold over the years. He chose a Samaritan. Having had his sip of water, Jesus spoke up again. A Samaritan happened to also be walking along the road. Shocked and appalled at the condition this man was in, he moved him as quickly and as safely as he could to his, his donkey, triaging his wounds to the best of his ability, moving to the closest place where he could receive proper care as quickly as he could. When he got there, he, he, he took out a couple of days' wages and prepaid for the man's care, and, and he asked the caretaker to take better care of the injured man than he would his own mother. Well, the caretaker thought that maybe this was a little bit too much to promise, he agreed nonetheless, never being willing to turn a blind eye. Both of these men observed a lot by watching. See, they knew that if they were going to love people, then they would first have to love the people that God put in their path, even sometimes literally. If he was to teach the word, there was no better way to do this than to live what he believed every day of his life. And he would have to continue to live the journey with this man. The caretaker was now in cahoots with the Samaritan man and would continue to be until the man got better. 
Jesus took a deep breath with a wink. Jesus asked the lawman, so you tell me, who was the most neighborly? This was the part that Jesus always looked forward to. It's never fun to admit that we're wrong, but when we figure it out after just a a little bit of careful, cautious guiding, knowing he needed to think things through, the expert in law shruggingly suggested that it was the one who showed mercy. Not really wanting to admit to himself that the image of God could be planted even in one that he hated so much, Jesus told him to go and do likewise, acting as if it really was just that easy. Later that night, Thaddeus walked right past 15 people who had myriad needs, but he chose not to observe them. Or was it that he just forgot to look for them? So ends the story from the gospel of Thaddeus, or put another way, a parable of a parable. We're kind of going inception on this from Luke 10. So what do we do with it today? First, we recognize that all, all, all are created in the image of God. Does anyone think that the first two to walk past the hurting man are past the reach of God's redemption? There will be those in your future graduates, those even at your future school who will suggest that people are out of the reach of God. But you and I both know that's not true. What about the lawyer? Is he created in the image of God? I feel like it's important to make this point because both my wife is here and Chris's mom is here and I just, you know, having two lawyers stare back at me, I, you know, I think they're living proof that it's possible to be still within God's redemption. Secondly, there will be those who suggest that we can only do so much. We can only do so much. They'll tell you that you're not equipped for some things so you don't have to do anything. But did the Samaritan stop when he was in over his head? Did the Samaritan stop when he was in over his head? No. He did as much as he could and then he sought help. He didn't attempt to solve all of this man's problems by by himself. He would have failed completely. Instead, he was willing to ask for help. At at school and in the rest of your life, you will get in over your head. This is an undeniable fact. The good thing is that your parents, your, your church, your soon-to-be former youth minister here in three months, whenever Chris, that thing, everyone who loves you most and best will be most proud of you when you do everything that you can and then you ask for help. Finally, there's an opportunity to be blinded by indecision. Lack of action will be a preferred course of opportunity at every stage of school and the rest of your life for some people that you meet. These aren't your people. (laughs) Lack of action because of indecision. There's a point in time where you'll be overwhelmed, but you'll put one foot in front of the other. Some days you can only solve the problem that's right in front of you. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay. If you attempt to learn the entirety of physics in one night, 
you'll likely fail. John probably already knows it, so that's okay, but the rest of you, you will likely fail if you try to learn the entirety of physics in one night. But if you learn a little bit every night, you have a much higher opportunity to succeed. There's a parallel here with your spiritual life. If you don't attempt to plug into a thoughtful, caring community, you won't make it just by coming back here every Easter. You will need to be close to a God who seeks relationship, the kind of relationship that is only built over time. It's been a pleasure to be your youth minister. You are loved by God and by this church. We charge you, whether you stay here or whether you go, to love people, to teach the word, and to live the journey to the best of your ability. We know you'll have good days and bad days, and we're here for you on both. When you get to school, remember, you can observe a lot just by watching. Let's pray.